Nation. Oh, no, not, not from Corona. I'm back at work. It's Ken just... Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon on a Friday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, with you here until noon. Thanks for spending some of your morning with uh, Trent and I. The BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. Going to just make a couple of stops early in the first hour of the program. Jeff Holdorf, who used to cover 4KX, you know, for a long period of time, number of years. Uh, the John Deere Classic is going to join us. It was such a popular event and uh, a blow uh, to the eastern part of the state that the John Deere Classic has been canceled. Uh, the governor of Illinois uh, shelved that uh, yesterday. So we'll get Holdy in here for five or six minutes just to get his thoughts on what it will mean uh, to that part of our state and that part of well, both states, uh, western Illinois and eastern Iowa and what the John Deere Classics cancellation means. We're going to catch up with Catch Des Moines. Brock Conrad will join us at 1025. Now that everything is opening, we'll get Brock Conrad to come in and share what Catch Des Moines has been doing and perhaps a few tips from Brock Conrad. Tom Cakerd, HawkeyeReport.com. Gary Barta met with the Hawkeye media via Zoom yesterday. Gary Barta wore two of his hats, one the athletic director at the University of Iowa. Then he took that one off and stuck around and the uh, assembled media was asked to was able to talk to the chair of the NCAA playoff uh, football playoff committee which you forget from time to time at least I do that he's been thrust into that role and how different the playoff committee might be once we uh, get to November uh middle of October into November will they be actually be getting on airplanes and going to Dallas and sitting in a meeting room or will they do it via Zoom. The governor of Iowa at 11 o'clock, we carry her press conference. We will again today. And then one of our new Cyclone voices. I'm excited. Um, Dave Sproul, who works uh, as part of the team, right? He's mm-hmm. K-A-S-I 1430, right? You got it. Yes. 1430 yep. names. Yes. Uh, an iHeart station. And, you know, every time I watch, uh, whether it be Hall Star or Mons or Cyclone Fanatic putting up video of the press conferences, mm-hmm. particularly in football, there's that guy on the on the fringe in his normal spot, <laughs> Dave Sprouse. So Dave Sprouse is going to be one of our two new Cyclone voices. Why do we need new Cyclone voices? Well, Dylan Monts and Alex Halstead both decided to uh, do something else with their life, and they made the career decision to do just that. So Dave Sproul going to be one of our new Iowa State uh, guys. How are you? Thank you for yesterday. Appreciate you and Ross Peterson. Thank you, Ross, uh, for filling in for me yesterday as we had, had some family duties. Yes, it was uh, a fun day. Always enjoyable to talk with Ross. He's it's, a good guy, isn't he? It's a different conversation every single time. You never know exactly where it's going to be. We talked a lot of baseball, as Did you'd you? imagine, with us, too. Uh-huh. And Fishing? little bit. I gave him some fishing time. He was in Clear Lake uh, the day previous, so gave him some time. We talked about God's country up in North Iowa and how Mm -hmm. beautiful it is up there. But yeah, we had a good time. It really was a lot of baseball talk. And then we went down memory lane with our Roshan Corporation Team of the Week. And it was the... What if probably your? I would have been. I would. Have been, I love. Would have loved that one. Two thousand four yep. Iowa football. You can go back catch the podcast if you missed it. Hawkeye fans, fun going down memory lane there about that team. So good defensively. They yeah. were just absolutely stacked up. And Drew Tate, 
One of the highlights I played, mm-hmm. throwing the touchdown and going down the field with the helicopter arms as they're beating Ohio State. <laughs> of course, the LSU game and what happened, the conclusion there. And it's funny, it's the last Big Ten title for Kirk Ferentz. And I mentioned, and I posed this to Ross, and he took it as such a negative, but if you would have said in 2004, coming off of Iowa's second Big Ten championship mm-hmm. in the last three years, that 16 years later, they hadn't won another regular season title, that the high water mark was an Orange Bowl, yeah. but that's really it, at least at the highest levels. We didn't know what the Big Ten was going to turn into in divisions right. and all those different things and how it does change, but... I don't think anybody, A, would believe that they go 16 years without a regular season title. And secondly... It's not like they've been awful, though. That Kirk Ferentz would still be the coach, though. Right. If you just posed it that way, I was not winning a title in the next 16 years. Well, then Kirk Ferentz isn't going to be yeah. the coach. Things have changed. Yeah. Things have changed. Uh, look, I, I, I don't speak for Iowa fans. I don't claim to. I don't know how you can look at the Kirk Ferentz era in any other way than unbelievably positive. Yeah. You know, for me, he made one gaffe... I think if they had to do the Rabdo thing over again, I believe mm-hmm. he will. I don't think he'd spend some time with Ted Ginn Sr. as opposed to getting back to his team. I think he'd had to do it all over again. I think he would. I also think he'd go for it at Ohio State. Right. <laughs> um, and he has said as much. He has. Yes. But you know what? It took him a while <laughs> to admit that because there were years that I would speak with him afterwards, uh-huh. whether at Big Ten media days or whatever. And Kirk, you, you find yourself second-guessing. Is there ever, you know, in a quiet moment? Nope. He was... But uh, he's subsequently in the last couple of years. So anyways, yeah, the Kirk Ferentz era, um, I think it's been full of positives for me. And boys had some dudes. Yes, he has. Oh, they put some guys in the NFL. Anyway, so let's uh, let's get to the here and now. Uh, Jeff Holder, in just a few minutes, uh, the NCAA moving forward. Uh, who was it? Uh, Pete Thamel uh, yesterday uh, from, is he with Yahoo? He, was he just, is, w- yes. With Yahoo. Uh, and then uh, Jeff Mc- uh, Brett McMurphy, rather, was with uh, Watch Stadium. He had this a month ago, but apparently it looks as though there's going to be a six-week, I'm going to call it training camp. Sure. Uh, maybe not training camp, uh, thinking back to the 60s training camp where no water, uh, you know, those kind of training camps. It'll be a little bit different. But, uh, and right, so, uh, but six weeks to get the teams prepared for the football season, which is, you reminded me here today, Trent Condon, is 99 days away. Oh, We're yeah. inside triple digits. Yes, it feels good when you uh, hear that number. It's long as, of course, we get college football back. Yeah, but it's no longer fashion. 224 days. Yes. Yeah. You're past Because is that 50. what it is? Like 220-ish? That's usually Something what it is right there. after the national yeah. championship. Somewhere run. around there. Boy, that feels like a long time. It does. It does. Now, no Notre Dame Navy that was going to play what? Were they going to play the, the week, week They were previous? week zero, yes. Are there any other games that week that you can remember? I thought there was another you one. You know what? Let me see. It if... wasn't what we got last year with Miami, Florida. Let me see if I can grab that. I know I have on my iPad um, that LSU.net football schedule that is such a great tool uh, with with kickoff times. Um, yes, Trent, to answer your question, there's going to be a number of games. Marshall at East Carolina. It's going to be on an ESPN. It's scheduled to be on one of the ESPNs. TBD Hawaii at Arizona. Cal at UNLV. All right. Uh, New Mexico State, UCLA. So those were all games scheduled for week zero, the 29th. So Navy, see, I didn't see that. Notre Dame Navy's off, huh? Well, I would. I, I hadn't seen that. I haven't seen it either. It was just my assumption. Because the last I'd heard, they were still 
They're still planning that. Yes. Really? I believe so. That just comes as a shock to me that they would be doing that. Well, I, I don't know what... Um, what it looks like in Ireland? That's just it. I mean, look at it. point. My, my country for Canada. I yeah. saw something yesterday on Twitter. Um, I, I was searching Winnipeg mm-hmm. for, I don't know, why. maybe I miss home. Um, but Fargo, like 200,000 people. Winnipeg, just under a million people. Winnipeg's had like seven deaths and Fargo's had in the hundreds? Really? I don't know what's what's going on up there, but yeah. um, I don't know what they're doing differently. Well, anyway, it's easy to social distance up there. It is. There's a lot, a lot more room. of room. That's a great point. <laughs> Jeff Holder, I've covered the uh, John Deere Classic for KXNO for a handful of years. I mean, he was our guy on the scene over there. We joined all the shows to give updates. Um, and his sponsors were lining up to to back Holdy as he made his way over there on behalf of KXNO. And with the JDC being canceled yesterday, I uh, thought we'd have him on just to, what kind of a blow is that to the area. And, and Holdy joins us. Long time, my friend. How you been? I'm uh, doing great, guys. Great to catch up with you again. Yeah, good to catch up with you, Holdy. Before we get into that, of course, you played such a prominent role here on Friday nights uh, over the years. You were, you were our go-to guy. You got the A game before then you walked away and Lawful Hulse took that. Of course, Lawful Hulse is in studio now, but uh, do, you, do you miss the high school sports? Oh, I miss everything to do with the radio business. Absolutely. I It was a passion that I uh, really enjoyed for so many years, and whether it was covering different sporting events like the John Deere Classic or Friday Night Lights, and you know just that raw emotion of the athletic competition and being on the scene to cover it, you just can't replace it. That's an empty gap still left in my life. Well, always I, missed it. I know you do. You certainly would miss the JDC. It uh, was such a popular event. Of course, you're from that part of the state uh, in in the vicinity, uh, Western Illinois. It's a blow to that area, is it not, Jeff? How big of a blow is it? Oh, it's a huge blow. This this tournament's always been the little tournament that could. Well, unfortunately, this year it'll be the little tournament that can't. There's just too many obstacles to overcome. Yeah, everybody really rallies around this tournament in the Quad Cities. You know, it's a tournament that last year they donated $13.8 million to charities in the local area. So that's really where it hurts. I mean, sure, it hurts everybody's heart when – you see another big event, and you're seeing it in Central Iowa, obviously. You know, Clive Fest is canceled. Ankeny Fest is canceled. The Hinterland Music Festival is canceled. You know, and we'll wait to see what happens with the Iowa State Fair, but Minnesota and Wisconsin State Fair has already bit the dust. So, yeah, it tears away at you piece by piece as each thing gets canceled. And, you know, in the Quad Cities, they do such an amazing job at rallying around this tournament. You know, you always wonder how a tournament like John Deere Classic ever got started, you think, how can a place that small support an event? You know, if you look at, you know, rating, like radio ratings, like I know you guys are always looking at, you you consider Des Moines to be, what, the 68th biggest market in the nation. Well, the Quad Cities is 103. And how they've been able to support a PGA Mm -hmm. Tour event for all these years has really been amazing. Unfortunately, you know, the coronavirus is just too much to overcome. You know, the the question I saw posed, and I guess it's pretty easy, was there anything on the Iowa side of the border that would be able to do it in the Quad Cities? But we're not just talking about, you know, some pro-an event here. We're talking right. about a PGA event that's going to have a huge field because normally with the British Open the following week, you don't see nearly as many stars. It, it was going to be probably a really, really good field. 
anything at all that you could think of that they could have come, or, or even maybe not in the Quad Cities, but something in Iowa, a course that you could get ready in a month to play a PGA event, or is it just a non-starter when you look at that? I think it's just so difficult. I mean, sure, there are certainly plenty of courses that are of the caliber, but to uproot everything, I mean, they start preparing for that tournament months in advance, and it doesn't matter whether it's growing the courses out or it's selling the hospitality suites. And that was really part of the whole answer that Claire Peterson, a longtime uh, tournament director of the John Deere Classic, said, you know, First it was, they can't have the Pro-Am. Well, the Pro-Am always raises at least a million dollars for charity. That was pulled out from under them. Then they started the different corporate sponsors, the corporate partners that they have, that rent out these hospitality suites, and they did a survey of them and the different hospitality suite owners that pony up fifty and $100,000 to host their company events out at the golf course during the week. They said 90% of the people surveyed said if they invited people, they were too scared to come yet. Mm. So now you start to lose all your corporate sponsors. Mm-hmm. You start to lose you know, your fans. The state of Illinois still has not removed restrictions where you can have more than 50 people in a gathering. So if you can't have the fans, you've lost your corporate sponsors. The whole thing is re- revolves around charity. And like I said, they brought in over $13 million for charity last year. So it really makes it a non-starter. It turns into a money loser, and who's going to foot that bill? So, and where it was tagged to be the fifth spot on the PGA Tour, as we're seeing some of these sports that really fit well in the coronavirus era, be it NASCAR and PGA Tour golf, and they were set, set to be in a pretty sweet spot. They were going to follow the fifth spot. They are going to be the fifth spot. June 11th through the 14th, they were going to crank it up at Colonial and then head to South Carolina and Connecticut, and then I was still questioning the uh, tournament before the John Deere Classic is set to be the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit, and we know how the state yeah, of Michigan is right. locked down, yeah. so I don't know how they're going to play that one. Then they were going to come here, and it was really in a nice, sweet spot because the week following is Jack the Memorial in, in Dublin, Ohio, mm. so I think you had a great chance to see an amazing field. You know, you might have seen the likes of a Rory McIlroy show here. Everybody wanting to tune up right before going to Jack's event the following week. And like I said, there are just way too many obstacles to overcome. And unfortunately, this is supposed to be the 50th anniversary of the John Deere Classic. And what a bittersweet deal that they've got to swallow by having to pull the plug on the 50th edition of the little tournament that could. Holdy, last thing. We'll get you out of here on this. I mean, unfortunately, there's so many cancellations that are not never going to come back, right? Whether not just necessarily sports related, but uh, through, throughout uh, throughout the country, that um, you know, for whatever reason, I'm not saying that people were looking for an excuse. Uh, this is a great stepping off point, but for some, it is. Uh, listening to you and how much money it does, it, it means to the community charity wise. Would you be shocked if this is it for the JDC? Oh, there's no chance. It'll definitely be back. You'll see the 50th edition of the John Deere Classic next year. This this tournament has been the phoenix of golf tournaments. They've been without corporate sponsors. They had the JCs of the Quad Cities step up one year and sponsor it. Ed McMahon stepped in for a few years and sponsored it. This tournament, the Quad Cities has been amazingly resilient at finding a way to make this tournament go. This is part of the fabric of the Quad Cities, and absolutely the 50th edition will be played in 2021. The PGA has already come out and said there will be a spot on the calendar and I'm certain it'll be the week before the British Open. And 
they've done such a great job at always finding a way to make this tournament attract the best field they possibly can. As it's been well documented over the years, the the jet that they line up to take people straight from the Quad Cities straight to the course over in Great Britain, and they come up with so many unique marketing things. I mean, obviously, you remember when Michelle Wee played there, yeah. and John Daly's played there, and they do they do a great job at finding that little niche spot into the marketing scene to help promote the tournament, and I have zero doubt that this tournament will return. It'll be back in 2021. Did Spieth not win there for the first time? Jordan Spieth's a two-time winner That's there. Yes, he won 2013, 2015. Steve Stricker won three consecutive yeah, years right. there. Zach Johnson's won there. Bryson DeChambeau won his first title there in 2017. You know, even old grumpy VJ Singh has a John Deere Classic title on his belt back in 2003. So, he's done a great job at attracting a great field for a small community event that they've really put on the map over the years. And John Deere has been a great supporter of them. And I know John Deere, you know, it's a two-way street. John Deere gets great publicity. John Deere also gets to be the sponsor where all – Golf course equipment at any PGA event has to be John Deere equipment. That's part of the deal that they have. So every golf course that hosts a PGA Tour event is using John Deere equipment. So it's a good double back scratcher on both sides. So, yeah, John Deere loves the loves to be the sponsor, does great for them, does great for the cities, and I guarantee this event will be back next year. Holdy, thank you. Good to talk to you. You bet. Thanks so much, guys. Great catching up with you. Great catching up with you. Jeff Holdorf, who for years covered the tournament for Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, but not 106.3 at the time. Right, yes. That's a new endeavor. It is. We're glad to be. We're glad to have that new arm of KXNO. We will take a timeout. What's going on in Des Moines? Let's catch up with Catch Des Moines. Brock Conrad joins Trent and I next. Tom Cakert on Gary Barta's uh Zoom conference from yesterday. We'll pick his brain on the Hawks and also find out what Gary Barta said as uh, in his role, rather, as the uh, chair of the uh, College Football Playoff Committee. Miller and Condon with you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now... Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Tom Cakert coming up in about 15 minutes or so on uh, Gary Barta's uh, Zoom conference from yesterday with the media. Uh, we'll get the latest on Iowa, what they're doing Kinnick Stadium-wise, when athletes can come back, dot, dot, dot. And also, uh, of course, uh, Gary is the chair of the College Football Playoff Committee, so we'll uh, find out uh, what he had to say to the media yesterday about that. But right now, Brock Conrad from Catch Des Moines joins us. Uh, Brock, thanks for coming on again. Uh, Trent and Ken, how's things with you, Brock Conrad? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate you coming on. Well, the green light, in a lot of ways, has been uh, given by the uh, governor of the state of Iowa. Uh, tell us, uh, what's what does that mean in central Iowa for this weekend, Brock? Yeah, you know, uh, with the governor kind of reopening some things and uh, kind of doing it in stages, people are able to kind of start to go out and maybe try to get a little bit of normalcy uh, back in their lives. So, um, you know, Certain things are reopening, such as, uh, you know, Smash Park is reopened, um, where you can kind of, you know, gather a small group of friends um, 
and go there and, you know, play some games. They have a lot of great outdoor areas where you can uh, kind of spread out and socialize safely and play games and uh, have, you know, their awesome food and drinks that they have there too. So, um, but in general, you know, it's just mostly um, getting back out safely and um, following the guidelines and, and kind of doing it step by step and week by week until we can kind of get back to completely normal. You know, there, there's still certainly concern for a lot of people out there, yet there's still plenty of things that you can do if you're not comfortable going to a restaurant, you're not comfortable doing something like that. The great park system, you mentioned the trails and on and on and on. It's not just about going with a bunch of people and all being conjugated together. Des Moines has so many great things away from that where you can still socially distance, you can still wear your mask and, and have a good time inside the city. Absolutely. And, you know, and it's not only just doing things outdoors. There's a lot of cool things going on as far as like kind of like virtual things that are that you're able to do, too, in this city. So um, I know like Des Moines Corporate Games, they're doing a virtual challenge that starts on Monday, actually. Um, so you can like sign up your company to participate or just any kind of employees. And you basically earn points um, by getting active at home. So uh, there's a lot of kind of different virtual things that a lot of different companies and uh, businesses are doing. So whether you want to do that, whether you want to get outside and enjoy our trails and our park, um, there's kind of stuff for everybody to do um, at a safe social distance. You know, Trent and I pay close attention to the farmer's market. We'll get you to give us a broad answer in a second on what perhaps we can expect. As I know, I think Johnson's opening up here in a couple of weeks. But this weekend, the Global Greens Farmer's Market, which is uh, Drake University, right? Right around Drake at 3200 University Avenue. What is Global Greens Farmer's Market? And it kicks off this weekend. Uh, the Lutheran Service of Des Moines campus, apparently. Uh, they're behind this. So this has been going on for a while, but it's reopening as of tomorrow. What can you tell us about Global Greens Farmers Market? Yeah, yep, that's right. It's uh, it opens tomorrow, um, and that opens from nine a.m. to one p.m. tomorrow. Um, and you know, and that's just the market—the market that supports former refugees building small businesses here in the region, and it helps them kind of uh, when they're finding a path to sustainability through farming. So. Uh, it's, it's a really cool thing. It's, it's really good for not only for locals uh, to go out there and kind of get some produce and figure kind of get their stuff through that, but also just uh, be a big supporter of um, our refugees here in the area and helping them build small businesses. It's really important to our region. Well, for many people over on the east side of uh, the city, it's a season pass type of thing. For others, it's a stop once or twice a summer. Adventureland, their plans of coming back. What can you tell us about what you know with Adventureland, their plans of coming back, and kind of a rite of passage seemingly for everybody in central Iowa every summer? Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you definitely grew up in central Iowa and went to Adventureland. Mm-hmm. I, I remember that as a kid mm-hmm. so much. Um, it was always one of the funnest things to do when you were a little kid is to head up to Adventureland and do that. But um, but yeah, they're they're going to start rolling out their their plan to do that. Um, start doing it at a certain numbers, certain percentages, and 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 work themselves through that until they can get to full capacity down the line. Similar to kind of how everybody else is doing, and and definitely just following the governor's guidelines, and uh, and and just being responsible and making sure everybody is being as safe as possible. Hmm. How do you think Central Iowa did during the the full shutdown? I mean, I know restaurants were. You know, forced obviously to, go, to either to close for the time being or to try and make a go of it uh, via a, a curbside takeout, those type of things. How do you think Central Iowa did? Did I think the community for the most part tried to you know pitch in and help some of these businesses? But from Catch Des Moines' perspective, passing grade? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'm just going to go ahead and just brag a little bit about our region. Um, me personally, I know I've gotten a lot of outreach from uh, a different uh, destination marketing organizations like ours throughout the country, um, asking us questions about some of the stuff that we've been doing. Uh, you know, with the DSM Local Challenge that we partner with the Greater Des Moines Partnership on um, and the success of that and this new hotel bonds campaign that we just launched in the last couple of weeks. It's had a lot of great success so far. Um, we really, as a region, have pulled together, and it's not just us at Catch Des Moines. It's, uh, I mentioned the Greater Des Moines yep. Partnership, a lot of different businesses throughout the region, um, but also just all the locals, really, really supporting their favorite restaurants, supporting local. Um, and we're really going to need that, um, you know, now more than ever, but also in the future to kind of keep a lot of these restaurants, a lot of these businesses and attractions up and going. So when we do get back to normal, that they're at full strength and they're still around too. So, Ken mentioned a little bit about some of the upcoming farmers markets. What can you tell us overall? Just just some of the plans, of course, downtown being the crown jewel that people talk about so much. I live in West Des Moines. I love the Valley Junction one. What can you tell us as a whole when you look to the future of the farmers markets? You know, and I, I think that a lot of farmers markets, they're going to, they're going to have a little bit different rules depending on the size of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there will be, have to be stuff that's put in place as far as the amount of people that they're allowed to, you know, quote unquote, go through the gate at a certain time, um, having procedures for different sort of vendors and, uh, social distancing and just measures like that. Um, you know, uh, so it really just kind of depends on the actual farmer's market, but that is kind of in, especially in central Iowa and just in Iowa, the farmer's markets are really are a huge thing. Um, and it, a lot of people think of them as just local attractions, but you know, for catch Des Moines, for us, we see it. It really is a visitor attraction. We get people Mm. around the state for the downtown farmer's market. Um, it's also a selling point to a lot of people outside of our state that come and travel, uh, for the weekend and spend weekends in Des Moines. Uh, the farmer's market, downtown farmer's market specifically is, is a, is a big tourist attraction. So um, we're excited to kind of see that progress. And, um, you know, and like, like I said before, we're excited to see it progress, but we always want to make sure that we're doing it um, safe and, um, you know, as social distance as possible. But um, we're really excited about all the progression with that. You can keep up to date what's going on in our fine community. Catch Des Moines at CatchDesMoines.com. CatchDesMoines.com. Brock, uh, have a good weekend. Thanks for coming in and uh, sharing some of uh, uh, the events and your wisdom, knowledge of what's going on in our uh, community. Thank you, Brock. Yep, thank you, guys. Good to talk to you, Brock Conrad. CatchDesMoines.com, CatchDesMoines.com, NCMIC. Nick Mick makes all of these uh, possible. Uh, we'll take a timeout. Tom Cakert next. Yes. Talk some Hawks with Tom. Mm-hmm. Dave Sproul, we'll talk to him for the first time. He's going to be one of our new Cyclone voices that join our program. He's with KASI, our sister station in Ames. Uh, Dave Sproul will join us at 1135, the latest on Iowa State. But Tom Cakert's next on the Hawks. Governor Kim Reynolds at 11. Miller and Condon with you until just before noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 10.org. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM.
Nation, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. We'll hear from the governor of the state of Iowa, Kim Reynolds. Uh, her daily press conference at 11 o'clock. Dave Sproul on Iowa State. Dave's with KASI, our sister station in Ames. He'll join us at 11.35. Right now, Tom Cakert. He was part of the media contingent that was Zooming with Gary Barda yesterday. And to get the latest on that, uh, Tom joins us. Tom Trenton, Ken, thank you as always for coming on. How are you, Tom Cakert? I'm good. I always want, you know, when we do those Zoom calls, I always want to play the Aretha Franklin song behind Who's it. Zooming who? Yeah, absolutely. I remember that <laughs> classic. Hey, uh, Tom, uh, Bob Bullsby, uh, who preceded Gary Barda, um, he came out earlier in the week and exp- he was quoted saying, you know, there's liable to be some disruption. I'm paraphrasing uh, in, in the season yeah. this year. Gary Barda, much more optimistic, or was I reading it? Uh, am I reading something that wasn't there? Bard to seem more optimistic, maybe, than his predecessor. Yeah, I think so. You know, I'll say this, and I, I've, I've, I've said this on our boards. I, I think Bob Bowlesby has been one of the true shining stars of this whole thing and being kind of upfront, mm-hmm. honest, and and kind of blazing the trail for all the rest of the conferences in a lot of ways on a kind of a coherent, uh, truthful path dealing with COVID-19. And I, I, you know, I really want to commend him for that because Mm -hmm. it's just, it's been refreshing to hear, um, you know, not just like pie in the sky kind of stuff, not that Gary was doing pie in the sky, but they're just, and I think what Gary was getting at is we're just going to proceed as, we normally would and and hope for the best but you know he's he was quick to kind of point out nobody really knows what's going to happen so you know we're all just guessing at this point um and i i think uh, gary's just taken that path that hey we're we're hopeful we're going to have people in the stands like jamie pollard he has tickets to sell too right. so that's part of the equation as well it's a, a big conversation what the stands are going to look like, number of people in there. We've heard the, the side from Jamie Pollard really gearing up towards that, that 50% number for capacity, where the Iowa perspective and Gary Barta, they're moving towards 100% capacity. At least that is their hope that they're going to be able to do, if it isn't, either from something handed down from the governor's office or different. How much work is being done, what it's going to look like, what season ticket holders that have already renewed, but... You know what? You sit in the end zone and you don't donate. You're not going to be in. Boy, that's got to be a very difficult contingency plan. Yeah, it does. Um, but, I, you know, here's what I think they're kind of looking at it as, is is the money in hand is better than the money you don't have. And, you know, if they can get that season ticket money, at least they have it. And, you know, then they hope, well, maybe the people who can't go will carry over to next year and just say, well, just put it on my 2021 season ticket and and we'll go from there and i think that's kind of the 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 way they're operating at this point is just wanting to get as many people um potentially in the building as they can but i i just don't there's just there's really no path uh unless something miraculous happens here in the next couple months where you can say Kinnick's going to be full with 70,000 people, and at the end of the first quarter, they're all going to be waving to the children's hospital. Right. This doesn't seem feasible to me um, or you know, smart, to be honest, but 
um, you know, you got to plan like maybe that's going to happen. And, and if it doesn't, then you adjust. And I think that was Gary's uh, kind of thinking as well. Uh, yesterday, Pete Thamel reported, and and uh, oh, weeks ago, Brett McMurphy, somewhere along the same lines, had said that he's been told, and uh, they both were told, that it seems like we're going to see a six-week, I'll use the term training camp, Tom, not sure if that's technically what it's going to be, but that the football teams around the NCAA will be given a six-week window uh, in advance of their season opener. Was that brought up yesterday? Does that seem, would that placate most of the coaches? I know that everybody's gone, oh, we need four weeks, oh, we can't do this in under eight weeks. Seems like that's meeting in the middle. Six weeks seems to be out there. Uh, have you heard anything along those lines? Yeah, we didn't really ask Gary about that, um, but we've asked him and Kirk about it in the past. And, you know, Kirk was always eight weeks, but that was kind of under the impression that that's that would be the first time that the guys would be back in the building. I think the fact that guys are going to be back in the building starting June 8th uh, and being able to work out and train with Coach Doyle, they're fine with whatever. I mean, you know, I, I think they'd be fine with that because now they're going to be able to monitor the training and, and, and do those things, provided those things go well, too. That's the other thing, that everything has to go well within the building. Um, and, and I, I, you know, everybody's hopeful that it will. Then um, what I think maybe the and it's really unclear what the six week thing is, but maybe that's where they can get on the field, and maybe that's to help kind of make up for the loss of spring ball, where you can get some work in on the field, and maybe it's like OTAs in the NFL where you're just out there in shorts and t-shirts, kind of doing football things, but at least you're doing football things. Mm-hmm. Tom Kaker joining us, HawkeyeReport.com. Hey Tom. Uh, another component to this, getting the players back on the field, is the testing component. The cost, yeah. $100 to $125 per test, a daily test. Is that what it costs? Yeah, doesn't seem real feasible at this point. I think maybe it was Bowlesby that said something twice a week might be something that's more plausible for each of the schools in the Big 12. You have a great university there with a great hospital, but mm. what have you heard on that side? And Barta, was he asked about the testing for these players? He was not really, he didn't really dive into the testing thing. A lot of the stuff that, you know, I think it's still almost, uh, to be honest, kind of evolving yeah. as to exactly what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. And, um, but he, he did say they're going to be transparent about it, um, what they're doing and, and, and how they're doing it. But the, I, I don't think anything has really been completely finalized other than they're going to screen people every day. They're going to have one entrance to the football facility that people can come through, that the players and coaches can come through, and everyone that comes through will be screened uh, when they come through the door, as that means temp checks, and, you know, there's contrary when temp checks are good or bad, or do they mean anything, uh, and, um, you know, ask if they've uh, had contact with people, ask if they've, you know, if they've shown any symptoms or anything like that, and, and then I think that might trigger a test if you, you know, come in and you, yeah, I've been coughing a little bit this morning. Okay, we can go get a test. That sort of thing. I, that's my guess is what the protocol is going to be. I wonder, and uh, Trent and I never brought this up a couple of days ago when it was um, uh, made public that the television networks weren't going to announce a kickoff time for the first three weeks. I guess June 1st is normally, we know, the first three weeks kickoff time. What would have been the harm in doing that? It would have given... 
you know, sports fans, look, the, the NFL was so good at, at giving us little nuggets, you know, whether, you know, normally in, in normal years, would we have latched on to them like we did? Of course we wouldn't have uh, maybe given them a little cursory glance, whatever. But what was what would have been wrong with putting out the kickoff times, even with a little asterisk, you know, subject I, to change? I know. I know. That's kind of what I thought is like, why not just put them out there and just let us uh, right. let us dive into those a little bit and talk about it. And it, it gives us a distraction, from yep. the, you know, and if, and if the doomsdayers want to say, well, you know, we don't even know if they're going to play uh, uh, unless the only thing I can think of is unless they're really thinking seriously about making some major adjustments to schedule. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of, you know, that, we're just going to cut the travel down. It's going to the, the regular season this year is going to be regional or conference, and mm-hmm. that's that's the only thing I can think of as to why not do it. Yeah, I was fortunate. I mean, look at the Iowa's non-con: Northern Iowa, Iowa State, Northern Illinois. Yeah, there's no Utah State coming no. in. There's no Troy. Yeah. As that's what the future right. schedule is going right. to hold. Oh, good point, yeah. Tom, uh, tell us a little bit. Troy has been added to the schedule for 2024. A couple of changes, at least in the non-conference, in terms of when the games will be played with the game against Western Michigan and the uh, other one, Utah State, as mentioned, in 2023. So the schedules are set through 2024. Yeah, they are. And, um, you know, that's just the typical Kirk Ferentz schedule now with with the number of conference games is just the Iowa State and and two other you know Sun Belt CUSA uh, MAC type teams that uh, or an FCS school that come in and, uh, and and fill out those other two spots. So that's that's a Ferentz schedule for you, and um, it's fine. I mean, I, I I'm. I'm done. I, I don't complain about schedules as Trent knows because it's just it's not worth the time. You just you got to play the games you play, and 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 uh, if you win them, then uh, you get rewarded. If you lose them, you get punished. Uh, what did Gary Barta say? Is the uh, the committee chair of the college football uh, selection committee chairman? What if anything did he say? I mean, it's going to change potentially, right? Instead of having to get on an airplane and spend, where do they go? Dallas? I think it's Dallas. Uh, they convene on a yes, weekly sir. basis there. Um, they might be doing it from wherever they're located, right? Same way you guys did your Zoom yesterday. Yeah, he kind of indicated that they're they're right now still planning on meeting. In fact, he said they had uh, they have a meeting scheduled in August that uh, he's, you know, as far as he knows, they're going to be down at that uh, I think it's the, the the great Gaylord's Hotel or something, a big hotel in Dallas, and they're all going to get together. And he doesn't have any uh, trepidation about about getting together as a committee in person and uh, and meeting with everybody. Obviously, they'd have social distancing and things like that. But um, Gary did talk pretty openly. You know, he is dealt with cancer, and um, you know how he he basically said, "I spent most of my time at home." I Made like one or two trips to the grocery store, wore a mask, and that was about it. So he said he he would probably fly down there and wear a mask when he was flying, and um, and then just practice social distancing when he was meeting with the the, the other committee members. Tom, we opened uh, talking about Zoom meetings today, and with it, the college football playoff committee towards that end of the season, they're getting together every single weekend. At the time, it didn't make a whole lot of sense, and. Now you look at the world, the possibility of a second wave coming through by the time we get to fall. 
At least me personally, I would be shocked if we get those weekly meetings with that group of members coming together, all flying to one location. Everyone knows how to use Zoom now. Can't you just do the same thing over Zoom instead of having to make everybody get on a plane every single week? You could, and it just it would make sense because you know, one of the things that uh, you know I think we understand about things now is that traveling puts you at uh, you know out there in the in the wild a little bit and trans could, could potentially transport the virus to other places and you know we t- we we see that all the time with well people need to quarantine then if they travel from here to there or wherever and um, so th- that's just part of the equation now it everything is dependent on what what happens that's the thing i i that's why i'm just sort of like well we don't really need to make a decision about this or that right this minute because um you know the world could look very different um you know two months from now one month from now depending on what happens with uh you know various treatments and and just what the virus does itself and if it continues to grow or if it kind of uh, abates a little bit one more for me, Tom, before we let you go, and that deals with the basketball front of things. A team preseason top 15, top 10, top 5. There you go. Depending on which uh, which one of the preseason rankings you're looking at. On the basketball side of things, there's been plenty bandied about maybe reduction of the non-conference schedule, exempt tournaments where Iowa will not be playing in this year, maybe going away for this season. There, there's so much out there, and it's all speculation at this point. But what have you been hearing on the Iowa basketball front? Um, not a lot other than, you know, they're going to be back June 15th. They're coming back a week later, obviously okay. a, a much smaller group, uh, you know, when you've only got that, you know, the number of players is just way less. So, um, uh, yeah, they're going to, you know, be back. I, I do wonder about, uh, and I know some of the national guys have kind of speculated, maybe the basketball season doesn't start until like, yeah. you know, January or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, and run May Madness this year, and every schedule's changing. I mean, you look what the NBA might end up doing, or what NHL might be doing, and you know, baseball, and everything's kind of in flux right now. And I, I you know, I hope the season goes off as planned. I mean, you know, this might be the the, the season of a lifetime <laughs> right. for Iowa basketball fans, and there's no way they're not playing the tournament this year. I just. It's too much money. Miss it two years in a row. It's too much money. It's just it's way, 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 way too much money. So they're going to play, and I just hope they get a get a full season. I'm pumped about this team. It's just uh, you know somebody said, well, all these people say, well, can they um, can they stop people? Can they defend people? It it might not matter. Mm -hmm. This team's going to average eighty five to ninety points a game, probably. I mean, they've just got so many weapons offensively. You have the best post player in the country and three of the best shooters in the Big Ten around him. It's they're going to be hard to guard. Could uh, got the potential to be one with uh, Hawkeye fans and members of the media. Remember for a long time, Tom Cakert. Thank you for coming on. As always, we'll talk to you in a week's time, Tom. Thank you. Okay, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you, Tom Cakert, Hawkeye Report. As we catch up on Iowa, so Barta full steam ahead. Yes, here we go. And look at this. You look at it that way. I yeah, get it. I get and it. You figure it out on the fly. It's not like they're not coming up with contingency plans. They're just going in there, eyes wide shut. 
We're going to be fine. That's I not would what's love happening. to see, and there has to be some kind of architectural. I mean, I meant that might not even be the right term. A rendering, a drawing of Jack Trice and Kinnick Stadium mm-hmm. at half capacity. What does that look like? Well, it can't be side by side, and you can't do one row and then have a blank row behind you. Mm-hmm. But somebody's got to be figuring this out, what stadiums are going to look like. And we can put two fans here. We can put a a group of three here. Well, and I'm just thinking of groups of people. My group, we tailgate together. And he did did say tailgating was going to be on in in Iowa City yesterday. And we go together. But we're not family members. We don't live in the same household. We're talking about eight different households. Mm -hmm. So because of that, do our tickets get spread out more? Do... Well, this is a hypothetical because you're not writing a check at a big enough level to get tickets. <laughs> right, right. Now, if it's full capacity, I'll be all right. Right. Yeah. But at, at that level, and that's the other part, is you got to figure out the different levels of people, who you let in, how many students you let in. Are students all just packed together? They're all good? Are, are they going to get better seats? Now, with because of this, that angle certainly going to be there. Does that make Kinnick wouldn't be louder because you're talking about 35,000 as opposed to 70,000, mm-hmm. but a different kind of environment. Maybe you just put them right there back behind the visitor bench. I imagine some of the, uh, the hijinks that'd be happening <laughs> if you do that and on and on and on. There are so many what-ifs that still are in play with this. Yeah, maybe that, that this is an opportunity to move the students at Carver. Yeah. For long overdue. Right, right. Instead of being there in the corner. Right. Park them bit. behind the visitor bench. Right. The problem with Carver is... When you get down to that lowest level, there's like six seats across. So you can't have the environment like you see at the Izone, yeah. where you got 40 people right. all the way across, and that's a row. It's just it's not constructed that way. Mm. Carver's going to be there for a while, though. Remember the conversations we had? Yeah, absolutely. New, new arena, renovation to the arena. What you, that, That's not on the table right now. Well, no, I think any school that's going forward. I mean, is is Pollard still going through with uh, with his plans for the uh, the shopping area? That right. Was, I mean, you you wonder if that's. It's I know that be they're still going. You have to think. I mean, yeah. I still uh, they are going forward with uh, renovations. I think the football. Off, anyways, there are some things that are being done, mm-hmm. but some of them got to be. I would think on the back burner. Well, Dave Sproul's going to join us on Iowa State at eleven thirty five. Look forward to talking to Dave Sproul, our one of our new voices on Iowa State that will join us on a weekly basis. Of course, Governor Kim Reynolds is coming up. We will hear from her at, uh, at well, right at the top of the hour. Did you hear yesterday that some of the high school softball and baseball teams are going to practice at 12.01? See that? I saw that. Got That's, excited for uh, it. Absolutely. One of the uh, parameters handed down, though, no media allowed at practices, so... Because I was already... You were going at midnight? I, I was plotting. Taking one for the team? Yes, I, I had that in the plans, but no media practices. We're still good, though, for the games. We'll take a time out. Governor Kim Reynolds uh, will be part of the... On the air at 11 o'clock. Dave Sprout, 11.35. Miller and Condon until noon. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.